start off in Exodus chapter 40. Because God was very specific in how they built the tabernacle. Do you think he might be like that today too? And, and you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And Christ is working in you. The hope of glory is working in you. Come on. There's something going on on the inside of you that you might not uh, be aware of. Sometimes uh, metamorphosis is kind of, it shows up on the inside before it pops out on the outside. Like that caterpillar was stuck to the ground, but one day he flew away, you know. And um, when God uses that word metamorpho with us, talking about us being changed from glory to glory, right? In, in Romans 12, 2 as well. Renewing your mind by the word of God to prove the good, the acceptable, perfect will of God for your life. He's saying there's a metamorphosis that maybe you can't see or feel right now, but it's going on. No, he's going on. He's, he's working in you. He's working in you right now. And I know you, you wish it, it would go faster, but I found there's no drive-through breakthrough. You have to go through. Yeah, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I tried to get the bus, and the bus wouldn't pick me up. So, yeah, though I walked through the valley. But the but the the key word there is through. You're not camping out there. You're not building a house there. And weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, Psalm 126 is not a one-time psalm. You think you sow, and then you just come out, and everything is fine. No, it happens over and over and over again with every new season. Isn't that happy? Yeah, but don't, don't go for the weeping that endures. Go for the joy that comes in the morning. He said we'd go weeping, bearing precious seed, but doubtless we would come. Rejoicing, bringing in a harvest. There's seed time and harvest time all the time. The only time you can't find in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is quit time. <laughs> it's not there. Matter of fact, Galatians 6, 9 says that we, you will reap in due season. Just don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't look at your circumstances. Look at your God. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in your circumstances. These light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are nothing compared to the glory. What? Compared to the what? That shall be revealed in us. But anyway, I was reading something a rabbi said the other day, and I want to share that with you before we get into the message. But in the next is chapter 40, very specific building of the tabernacle. Come on, he was very, you know, he got his orders from God and he followed, and the details are overwhelming. But then, then it says in verse uh, 35, 33 rather, so they put the temple up, the tabernacle up, and Moses finished the work. Verse, then the cloud. We're talking about the Shekinah glory right now. There's Kabod glory. There's, there's various aspects of the glory. It's multifaceted, kind of like if you looked at a diamond in, in, in different lights, it kind of reflects different things. That's why one person can get a revelation from the Word of God and go, wow, and tell you about it, and you go, <sighs> you know. <laughs> they saw something different. Hallelujah. So Moses finished the work. And the cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. 
And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Well, that's pretty cool. But when I think about Exodus 33, 18, the prayer that we're praying every day this year, Lord, I beseech you, show me your glory. I beseech you, show me your glory. My Bible says that, that he had to put Moses in a cleft in the rock. And we know from Corinthians chapter 10, the rock that followed them was Christ. So he had to put him in Christ in order to display his glory and his goodness in front of him. Right? So then this rabbi said, you know, you read the book of Leviticus. If you read the Bible through with us every year, it's like I put it on, I put it on audio and listen to it. Just let it play. And it was like blood and blood, more blood. But then the rabbi brought this out. He said this, he said, what you don't realize, it's, you know, the last verse in chapter 12 of Hebrews says, our God is a consuming fire. And what he consumes is sin or anything that is not holy, anything that is not righteous. It just goes with him, you know. So now you think about Adam and Eve losing the glory. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So the glory left them. And you're, if, if that was your child struggling like that, your instinct would be to run in and embrace that child. But what if you're consuming fire? You can't do it. So it's kind of like you've got a child, like, you know, when the children are born and you go see them in the hospital and they got them behind glass, or of course, they got all of us behind glass right now. That's another topic altogether. But, but you can't, there's no human contact. There's no, God could not embrace his child. So when you read the book of Leviticus, the rabbi said it's a love story. It's a love story because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. And so the only way that he could get to his man was to, to bring in the blood sacrifice. I mean, he covered Adam and Eve with, with the animal skins. You know, he redeemed them through the blood. Cain's sacrifice in Genesis chapter 4 was not accepted because there was no blood involved in it, right? And so without the shedding of blood, there's no reason for sin. So then when you read um, the book of Leviticus, you see a God paving a way to get to his man. And you see that all the way through, even when, it, you know, you go back to Exodus and it says that he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well, when you read it in the Hebrew, not, not at first he didn't. He gave that guy lots of times to repent, you know, and so, so, but again, whenever you're in doubt, read 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4, 15, God is love. It's not that he does love, it's that he is love. And so anything that he does is motivated by his great love for you. Amen to that? Okay, let's go to Romans 3.23. Let's, let's pick it up, verse 21. I think this is so cool, verse 1. But, but again, you remember that he, God, made him to be sin who knew, knew no sin, that we'd be made the righteousness of God in him. So the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, not a physical thing, not a ritual, but it's righteousness. He made you righteous and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, Joy in the Holy Ghost, that's the kingdom of God. He, how does he want you to live? Knowing you're right with him, knowing you're at peace with him, and having joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
Come on. Peter said it's joy. He said, having not seen him, you love him with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He having not seen him, but you love him. Why? Because he, and you couldn't even love him if he didn't love you first. I mean, we're not capable of love. We're capable of, we're capable of emotional love, but not, not that kind of unconditional love that he gave us. Amen to that? Okay, so in verse 21, it says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto everybody, but only upon those that believe. It's for everyone, but it only works for those that believe it. You see that? And so God, you know, God so loved the world, he didn't just love you, he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But until you, until you do what he told us to do in John chapter 16, he said he came to, the Holy Spirit came to convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment of sin singular because they believe not on me. So, you know, we wonder what sin is. Well, Romans 14 says unbelief is sin. <laughs> so, no, but you might be thinking about something you don't like other people doing, but maybe you're just living in unbelief and... and, and, and. <laughs> the cool thing is you get to choose what you believe every day. You know, you don't have any original thoughts. They come from one place or the other. If they're encouraged the Holy Spirit's a comforter, then you know where the thoughts are coming from. If they're not comforting, if they're accusing, then Satan is the accuser of the brethren, so you can figure that out, right? So, you, you know, again, it's Second Corinthians 10, 4, you, you know, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations. Imaginations always have to do with future, you know, and so he's saying you, you need to make sure that you're, what you're imagining is what you see in the Word of God. I imagine myself laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. I imagine myself walking in the glory of God. If it's not that, then it's the kind of imagination that needs to be, that turns into a stronghold, a stronghold that needs to be pulled down. It's good to have strongholds in your mind as long as they're positive. As long as they're the word of God, I'm not conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing my mind by the word of God. I have strongholds. I have a, I have a fortress in my mind, but it's guarding my good thoughts, not my negative ones. The negative ones need to, he even tells you, he said, the, the weapons aren't carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds and casting down the imaginations that exalt themselves against the word of God. And then you bringing your th thought life into captivity. Ain't nobody else going to do it for you. No, but you get to choose every day what you're going to think. Well, I'm thinking negative thoughts. Well, then speak positive words and change what you're thinking. You can just sit there and think, 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 think all day. <laughs> or you can say, no, 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 that's not me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. No, no, that's not me. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed and made whole. No, no, that's not me. He supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, declaring, cleaning up 
It's got nothing to do with this either, does it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, the righteousness of God, which is by faith, Romans 1.17 says that we're being righteous by faith and we're being, the, herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. So you're living in faith. You're living in faith that you are right with God. Yeah, but you don't know what I did. It's not about what you did. It's about what he did. If you can get that part fixed in your head, you'll be all right. If you could have done it, your lousy New Year's resolutions will still be working. How many did New Year's resolutions and they're still cooking for you? Let's see a show of hands. Maybe it was the diet. You're going to lose something. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then they brought the lemon meringue pie. I know. Verse 23. For all have sinned, missed the mark, and fallen short of the glory of God. So what did man lose in the garden? The glory. But, and you know, the church that I went to, I'm not fooling. They read that verse a lot, but never read the, the next one. And so I didn't either. It's amazing how you can get traveling in a doctrine and get all messed up. It's like when you begin to study the glory of God, I said, Nancy, I got to stop. But like, it was like hours and hours and hours. And everywhere you go, it's all about the glory of God now. And for 40 years of studying the Bible, I never saw it like I'm seeing it right now. But it was there the whole time. So, you know, what you focus on, I mean, who knows what is, I mean, God wrote this book. There are things in there that are going to astound us yet. And when we get it, we're going to say, I can't believe that. I did. It was there the whole time, and I'd never got a, when the revelation comes, not the intellectual knowledge, but when the revelation comes, changes the game completely. But the next verse says, being justified freely, and again, that's the word Doreen, without, without uh, expense, without cost, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying here is I'm back in God's environment. What he's saying now is the glory has been restored back to me. That's what we've been studying, right? Well, let's go back over to Psalm 8. We didn't read 327. I like 327. It talks about the law of faith. And what I like about a law of faith is it means it works every single time you use it. Like I walk over and turn on the light switch and I fully expect the light to come on because it's hooked up to Nova Scotia power. There's a power source behind it. And all I'm doing is operating the law of electricity. How do I operate the law of faith? Oh, I feel God's presence. No, you might not feel anything. But my Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.13 that the believer speaks. He said, we, we also believe and we speak. The spirit of faith is like this. We, David believed and he spoke and we also believe and we speak. So what I'm speaking is what I'm believing. And so just be. So, so just because I speak something and I don't see it change right away, here's what I noticed one day we were out in uh, Banff, 
And I'm driving up looking at that mountain and thinking, dear Lord, you said in Mark eleven twenty three that whosoever would say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea, not doubt in his heart, believe the things he'll say will come to pass, that man will have whatever he says. I said, God, I would have to stare at that a long time to even think about swinging at it with a pick. But then the Lord said this, change your perspective. Remember when the last time you flew over it and looked down on it, how small and insignificant it was? He said, you're looking at your ability instead of mine. You need to change your perspective, right? It's like I put a question on Facebook the other day just for fun. I said, did Joseph... Was Joseph sold in slavery by his brothers? Or was he sent to Egypt by God? And both answers are right. God used what, the, what his brothers did, but yet, but yet it, ha- it happened at the exact right time. The famine hit and the man was prepared. So how do you, how do you reconcile that in your mind? You, you can't touch those things in your mind. You can't figure God out in your mind, but you can trust him. <laughs> you can believe that what he said, he said, what I've, what, he said, what I, Abraham said it this way. He said, what he promised, he's also powerful to perform. He's doing it in your life. Yeah, but it doesn't look like that's exactly right. It doesn't look right. How long will it take? How long you got? Are you going somewhere important right now? No, no, we just, oh, God, God. See, faith doesn't have a time limit. Flesh does. Faith, it's just done. No, no, faith says it's done. And then you enter into his rest, Hebrews 4.11. Then you're at peace. You can have peace. The peace of God rules your heart. He said, be anxious for nothing but everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Make your request be made known unto God. And then you let the peace of God, you let the peace of God rule in your heart and be what? thankful because I got it. I got it. Well, I don't see it. Well, I saw it. I saw it with the eyes of my understanding being enlightened. I didn't see it out here yet, but I saw it in here. And so that I got it. I got it. Hallelujah. God is for me. Who can be against me? He said, he said, we can boldly say God is on my side. He said, I'll never leave you and you fors- never forsake you so that you can boldly say, God is on my side. What you going to do to me? Is that all you got, devil? Hallelujah. No, it again reminds me of George Foreman fighting Muhammad Ali. In the eighth round, Muhammad Ali said, is that all you got, George? And George said, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> was over. Took all of his best shots. I'm here to tell you today that the devil already took all his best shots at you. This is the dawn of the greatest moment the church in church history right now. There's a great awakening taking place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know how he loves you. Praise God. Anyway, we were going somewhere. Psalm 8, yeah, we've been there before. But it's a powerful psalm. An angel was asking a question. How do we know it was an angel? He'll tell you about it in Hebrews chapter 2. I like verse 2 as well, though. 
I don't know the babes and sucklings you have ordained strength or praise because of your enemies. Every time you praise God in a church on a Sunday morning while you're doing praise and wor- worship corporate anointing praise and worship, the devil's, wor- the devil's work is being stalled out in your place. How do I know? Because when Moses, when they held up Moses' hands, the enemy was dif- discomfited. I don't know what discomforted means, but it sounds like the enemy got a smack in the head. <laughs> sounds like he had a bad day, right? When I consider the heavens, and I can really do that out where I live in Middle Muscadore, but man, when you look up at night, you never saw so many stars in your life. Can't find a coffee shop anywhere, but you can sure find a lot of stars. What is a man that you are mindful of him? The great big universe still expanding at the speed of light and God's focus is on you. Isn't that mind-boggling for you? Doesn't that do something for you? Doesn't that make you want to go, mm, and hug yourself? Don't, don't. <laughs> what does he think about this man? He said, when... You ordained those. What is a man that you are mindful of him, the son of a man, that you would visit him? For you made him a little lower than Elohim, it says in the Hebrew. Elohim is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. By the way, the Holy Ghost is a person. He's not a smoke or a thing or something like that. He's a person. He's a third part of the Trinity, and he wants to be your best friend. He came to live with you, abide with you forever. And he's not that gentle that he'll fly away if you do something wrong. Matter of fact, I read in my Bible in Mark 1 to verse 12, the Bible says that he drove, and it wasn't in a car, he drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. And when you read, look at the word drove, it's akbalo. It's like, you know, to, to throw out. Like to throw something over the, over, over the top rope. So, so you think, oh, you know, no, but I've been taught, I was taught that. Oh, don't grieve the spirit, God. I said, I know Thessalonians 529 or 19 or whatever it is, don't grieve the spirit. But also know that he's not a, a little bird that landed on somebody's head. My Bible says in Luke chapter 3, I think around verse 20 or 22, that he descended in bodily form like a dove. He came like that cloven tongue of fire that sat on each of them in the upper room. He came like that guy in Ezekiel chapter 1, fire from his loins up and fire from his loins down. He didn't come wimpy. No, the Bible says that he, this gentle Holy Spirit drove Jesus, Akbalo, into the wilderness. And if you look over in Mark chapter 1 and verse 34, he'll use that word again in casting out devils. So what he's saying is, like the Holy Spirit can move you. <laughs> if sometimes you might feel that kick in the butt and think, that's the devil, and it might not be. <laughs> no, no, he is gentle. I know he is gentle. The dove is representative of that. And I know that the dove represents him from way back in Noah's Ark when they sent the dove out. And he finally didn't come back because he came and landed on you. I, I understand that. But I also know that he is God, almighty, all-powerful, and great respect and reverence for him. I, I, pray, I pray every day. 
Lord, help me to be your best friend. Holy Spirit, help me to be your best friend. Correct me. And, and since I started doing that, I can't get away with anything at home. <laughs> no, I don't mean Nancy says anything. I mean the Holy Ghost saying, no, no. You know, you, you, you want to hang out with me all the time? Yes, sir. Okay. Then I'm going to be on you all the time. <laughs> Straighten up your character, boy. <laughs> For he made him a little lower than Elohim, but you look at this, you crowned him with glory and honor. And look at this, and you made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and placed all things under his feet. Oh God, please do this and please do that. Son, daughter, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I've already done it all for you. I've already done it all. Now you fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. And you don't think about tomorrow. You just fight today. And that's why he said in Matthew chapter 6, take no thought for tomorrow. And, then, and you know, I love Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because he gave you those nine beatitudes and gave you beatitudes so that you could correct your attitude <laughs> so that you could think right so that when you're stressed out about finances or things, and he'll, he'll say, consider the lilies if you ever go to Israel in the spring. Whew. No, no, we were driving along down from Tiberias around to Migdal, where Mary Migdala came from. We were driving down there, and the windows were down, and the fragrance that was coming in the car was unbelievable. And everywhere we went, everywhere we went, even up in Masada, up in the desert, there all kinds of birds sitting around singing. Never heard. Matter of fact, if you watch my recordings that I took over there, you can hear birds in every single one of them. Even when, even when I was at Caiaphas' house talking about Peter denying Jesus, it wasn't a bird that sang that time, though. It was a rooster. I'm telling you, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the rooster crows. And I'm talking about, hey, this, is, this is the place where Peter denied Jesus. And, and then the rooster goes, and God says, and so have you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> None of you have. But <laughs> uh, he loves us. Hallelujah, he loves us. Okay, so we read that. We need to go to um, Hebrews chapter 2 again. I know we were there last time, but these things, you just got to tie them together. Because lots of times people say, oh, yeah, he was writing about Jesus there. Well, yeah, he was. You're any man be in Christ. In Christ. But let's, let's look at what he says here in Psalm 2 and verse 6. Well, before that, go to chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. It's got nothing to do with the message, but it's just good to remember the, the purpose of angels. For which of the angels did you say at any time? Sit at my right hand. Ephesians 2, 6 says, you're seated at the right hand of God. Seated in heavenly places in Christ, right? The angels can't do that. He said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Are the, but here's the purpose of angels. Are not they all? Everybody say all. all. Do you think that includes Satan? Fallen angels? All angels were sent to minister unto the heirs of salvation. That's why my Bible will tell you the book of James. James said, if, if you'll submit your life to God and resist the devil, he must flee from you because you're, you, you have authority here and he doesn't. 
The only authority he gets is you give it, get it with your mouth. That's why in Numbers 23, 19, he said, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of a man that he should repent. He said, I spoke a blessing on you, and no man can re- reverse it except this man. The blessing God spoke on me, the only man that can reverse it is this guy. You know, if Cyril Sparks decided to say something ugly about me, that doesn't matter. What I say about me is what counts. Not what other people say about you. What do you say about you? I'm an heir of God. I'm born again, spirit-filled. I've been refathered. I've got a, my first father might have been ugly, but uh, I've been refathered, and he's a good God. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, now chapter 2 and verse 6. But one angel in a certain place testifying, saying, What is a man that you are mindful of him? The son of a man that you'd visit him. You made him lower than the angels and you crowned him, yet you crowned him with glory and honor and placed him over the work of your hands. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave, Matthew 28, I think, in verse 18, He said, all authority has been given unto me. Go ye therefore. But when you realize what he's saying is, God is all powerful, but the authority, he gave it to Adam. He said, you know, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them have dominion. In other words, I've got power, but I gave them. So the authority that God has, he gave to mankind. So if you don't like what's going on in the world, man, the man's authority is in charge. But the power belongs to God. And when this earth leases up at the end of 6,000 years, the owner of the house is coming back. In the meantime, he said, occupy till I come. Whatever you allow on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose is loosed. Matter of fact, Adam's sin touched heaven. That's why Jesus, when he was coming up out of the grave, he, he said to Mary Magdalene, don't touch me yet. Because I haven't risen, I need to go to the heavenly holy of holies and pour my blood out up there. Because Adam's sin reached heaven. And your authority is heavenly as well. If you're seated in the heavenly place in Christ, Ephesians 2, 6, if you really don't believe that, then you're seated in a place of authority and a place of power in Christ. In Christ reality. My in Christ reality is I'm not praying from earth to heaven. I'm speaking the word of God from heaven into earth. He said, he, come on, he said in Jeremiah 1.12, I watch over my word to perform it. He didn't say he was going to watch over my negative words. Thank God. He said he'd watch over. And then in, in Isaiah 55.11, he said, my word doesn't return unto me void or empty, but it prospers, it accomplishes what I settle in the earth to do. How does the word of God re, re, return unto him? My Bible says in Psalm 103 and verse 20, the angels hearken unto the voice of God's word. They don't come and read the book. But when I speak, we just read in Hebrews 1.14, they're ministering spirits sent to minister unto the ears of salvation. I can't see them, but there's more angels in, there, in here than there is people. But I don't have to see them. Matter of fact, Colossians warns me not to get into worshiping angels and stuff. You know, but to know that they're here and to know that they're at my disposal and to do nothing about it. We just we just wish God would do everything. I understand that. <laughs> Until you think about he, the fact that he already has. 
I've already blessed you. I chose you before the foundation of the world. I love you. So where was I in verse 9? But Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by, he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him from whom all things and by whom all things are to bring many sons, what? Bring many sons, what? Unto glory and to make the captain of their salvation perfect through the sufferings. Well, we know what he suffered. He suffered, he suffered being tempted at all points like as we are and yet without sin. He didn't, he's not talking about disease or what he suffered on the cross. He talked about your fellowship with his suffering. Paul the Apostle prayed it that way. He said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Suffering, suffering the temptation to believe wrong. Suffering the temptation to do the wrong thing. Instead of being, you know, that solid. And, and again, but, you know, he said, again, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that you, right now you're being changed from glory to glory. When you look, he said, when you look at the face of God unveiled, what does that mean? It means God knows everything about me and he loves me. And I don't have to hide when I do something wrong. I don't have to feel guilt or shame anymore. He bore my sickness. He carried my pain. Chastisement of my peace was laid upon him. I'm free. I'm free from sin and guilt. I'm free. Totally free. No, you, but, but again, this is knowing the love of God. Uh, yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, but this, this word, look, look what it says here. Perfect. That means finished perfect. That means totally complete. That means, and then he's the author of sonship. He's, my Bible says that he's the firstborn among many brethren. And remember what, what, what did Jesus say about, what did God rather, the Father say about Jesus when he was water baptized? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't done one thing yet. And so he would look at you today and say, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. You don't have to do anything for him to be pleased. I said, you don't have to do anything for him to be pleased. Accepted in the beloved. Well, let's go to Romans chapter 5. That seems like a pretty good spot. Oh, look at that verse 1. How many of you all know what justified means, right? We, we have the saying. We've had it in church ever since, since I started going to church, just as if I'd never sinned. Never got it. Didn't get it for years and years. Didn't know what they were talking about. I was still ashamed and guilty and all that kind of stuff. Until somebody brought me the word of God. Hmm. Therefore, being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith from the grace into this grace wherein we stand. And we re rejoice. Look at this. We rejoice in the hope of the, the glory of God. You know, the word glory is interesting because the first time it's used, well, the first time it's used is with Laban in uh, Genesis 31. You know, when, when, when uh, 
Jacob left and, and the, the family said, he's gotten all our father's glory. In other words, he, he, everything that Laban had, he lost because of the way that he treated Jacob, including, including the finances and daughters and family and all that. But the first, really, the first time it's used is in Genesis 13, and verse 2, the word kabod. And it's, it says that Abraham was very rich. The word rich there is the word kabod. And, but he's not talking about, not, even though he'll tell you he, he's very rich in silver and gold and camels and names, all that stuff. But what he's really saying is, Abraham has the full weight of my blessing on his life. And I know that it wasn't anything to do with covetousness, because when I read Hebrews chapter 11, my Bible says that, he, that Abraham continued to live in a tent. And he said, he said, I'm not after anything here. He said, I keep everything with a light grip, because I, he said, I'm looking for a city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He said, I'm looking for the heavy. Looking for the heavy. Hallelujah. And he would have, he would have given up what he had to live here in this hour. To experience what the church, come on, my Bible says that the prophets long to see the day that we're in right now. And we're trying to get out of it. Oh, Lord, rapture the church. He's not taking a broken down church anywhere. You got to know that. When you go for a drive with him, <laughs> you're going to be dressed up. <laughs> Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with, our, through our, with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith, grace where we stand, and we rejoice in hope in the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. We're going to have a sign-up sheet right after the service. <laughs> For any of you that have not experienced any tribulation, come and sign up, right? No, but what does it say? Your glory in tribulation. Why? Because it's working for you. Joseph said, my brothers meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. <laughs> to see many people saved. He said, not only so we glory in tribulation. Oh, yeah, bring it on. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And knowing that tribulation, why? Because tribulation is working something in your life. Something eternal, by the way, something eternal. Not something just for the next week or two or year or two, eternal. Working patience and patience experience and experience and hope. And look at this, and hope does not make ashamed. In other words, the hope that you have for the glory of God, you won't be, listen, I'm here to announce to you, you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. Next verse. Because the love of God, because this is producing the love of God to be shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you, hallelujah, the filling of the Holy Ghost. Can I read it out of a, another translation maybe? Because some of you didn't seem to catch on to that right there. How many of you like the Passion Translation? Hallelujah. Okay, this is the first five verses of Romans 5 from the Passion Translation. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, 
and he declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access under this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What an incredible joy bursts forth within us as we are kept on celebrating our hope and experiencing God. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence. Hallelujah. Why? Because we know that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to the hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Ghost who lives within us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that should take us to Colossians chapter 1, I think. It's amazing to me. Been preaching for 29, well, actually 29 years pastoring, preaching for a couple of years before that. Still trying to convince people that God loves them. After all these years, still trying to convince people. That just tells me because you don't like you. And yet you're created in the image and likeness of God. You get everything about you to like. Yeah, but you do things wrong. Yeah, but he did everything right. And he did say you would be changed metamorphosis. You, you got to understand that when Adam lost the glory, when Adam lost that glory, he lost his covering, first of all. He was clothed in the glory of God. Psalm 8, verse 5, we never read that verse, but it says he's crowned you. It means surrounded you. That's why when you go to Israel and you go in those old churches, every picture that you will see, the disciples have halos behind their heads. Where'd they get that idea? Because they saw it. They saw the glory on the Shekinah glory on people. My Bible says, Arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And in the world of darkness, is gross darkness upon the people. But God's glory shall be seen upon you. This is happening. It's happening. Hallelujah. You don't think that he would let this deal end up like this, do you? He's God Almighty. The devil's a fallen angel. My Bible says in, in 1 John 3 and verse 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And then he tells me in Ephesians 5, 1, to mimic him. My purpose is to destroy the works of the devil, not to run from him in terror. Did you ever notice the armor of God? He has no pants. I just noticed that the other day. He has a shield. You better keep the shield up. <laughs> but it also lets me know that I can't run the other way. There goes that buck naked pastor running from the devil again. I'm trying to paint a picture in your mind of what it is to retreat from the devil. Bum, 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 bum. 
Oh no. It's happening again. Hallelujah. Where did I say go? Colossians, yes. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Five times in Paul's writings, he uses the riches of the glory according to his riches in glory. When he talks about the riches of the glory, it's according to, not out of. In other words, all of God's glory, all of God's glory potential is available to you. As long as you get out of your mind and over into the realm of the spirit, there's no limit. I mean, if, if the madman of Gadara can have uh, how many, 6,000 demons? What is the potential of a human being to carry the presence of God? Whew. No, just think of we just completely, just surrender everything. Saying, God, I don't want anything. I just want you. I didn't come here to get anything. I come here to say, I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. Move upon these cities. Move upon this nation. There are so many people out there that are hurting and dying, and they don't know you. They don't know you, and I know you, and they need to know you like I know you. They need to know the love of God. But I can't give them anything that I don't have. I took some money out of my wallet one day here a couple of weeks ago and gave it to Larry, and he took off with it. <laughs> no, no, I said, I said I can give them. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it again, Larry. Yeah, you got to come get it. No, he felt bad taking it. Get up here. Receive. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know why it's not 50? Because I don't have 50 right now. Whoops. I don't have 50 right now or I'd give you 50. All I'm saying is I gave it to him because I had it. How can I give anybody what I don't have? So I've got to re learn how to receive the love of God in order to give it away. It just doesn't come. It just, okay, I'm going to love everybody. No, you won't. I'm telling you, I'm going to love everybody. No, you won't. Somebody will tick you off before you get out of here today. <laughs> I just love everybody. The only way you can love everybody is if God loves you first. And he has to teach you how to love. How does he teach you how to love? As you learn to trust him. You learn to trust him. And faith and trust are not the same either. Faith is what you use to trust people at start. But after you get to know, after, after you get to know Nancy, you love her. You just can't help yourself. You trust her. You trust her. You find out that whatever she says, she's going to do it. I learned out the hard way, hard way, hard way. No. <laughs> oh, we need to lead up into verse 27, though. Verse 20 says this. The blood is the power of the resurrection. I'm telling you. And having made peace through the blood, which is what he was doing in, in, Nicodemus, in, uh, in uh, Leviticus. I still am not going to like reading it, but I understand it better now. I understand why those two guys died with a strange fire. I understand why Uzziah died when he tried to stop the Ark of the Covenant when they were carrying it on a, an ark, uh, on, on a cart, and the Bible says that God killed him. Well, it's true that God killed him, 
But if I stuck my finger in 500 volts, would you say Nova Scotia power killed me? Or would you say, how stupid is that? See, because they were carrying the ark in a cart, and it was supposed to be carried on by the Levitical priests. And when that sinner came in contact with our God a consuming fire, he died. But when you understand that, then you begin to understand the Old Testament. You read it differently when you understand that he's not angry with everybody. Oh, the, the power of God boiled against them. No, there was a covenant made. And the covenant was what came against them or went for them. And so how it's written is not, if you understand the nuances, how it's written is not, God, God's not out to kill anybody. Come on, he told Timothy, Paul told Timothy, God is not willing that any should perish. Do you think he changed his mind from the Old Testament to the New Testament? No, he was never willing that any should perish, but a lot of them did. They refused to go in the promised land in Numbers chapter 14. And finally he said, you know what? As you have spoken on in my ear, it's going to happen to you. You want to die in the wilderness? Have at it. But those same rules apply to me. You know, my Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 4 that he gave me exceeding great and precious promises that I can partake of his divine, his divine nature and escape the corruptions in the world through lust. But if I'm out there in the wilderness being disobedient, I can claim that promise all day long and it's not going to work for me. If I'm not going, doing what he called me to do, just go back and do the last thing that he, that he spoke to you. It's not, it's not mysterious to do the will of God. The will of God is so simple. Trust in the word with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge the word, and the word will direct your steps. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It's health to your flesh and marrow to your bones. What's departing from evil? Doing things my way. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to figure that out either. Well, bless God, I'm just going to... How many times have he done it? And then pray, God, help me get out. And he does. His mercy endures forever. Anyway, back to this. And having made peace through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, now he hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death to the pr present you. to Look at this. This is how he wants to present you. But again, my Bible says in Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, wear the good of the land, drive the good of the land. Willing and obedient. If you, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are my commandments? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're holding unforgiveness against anybody, it's going to stop what God wants to do in your life. You, you hear what I'm saying? If you're holding unforgiveness against anybody, because America... In, in, in Mark 11.25, he said, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive. So people say, what's the unforgivable sin? It's you not forgiving somebody that did you wrong. Somebody did you wrong. How many are here and nobody ever did you wrong? Come on, let's get real. It's like the movie that we were talking about, Black Hawk Down. The guy said, uh, the sergeant said, I want you to drive the truck. He said, I can't, Serge, I've been shot. He said, we all been shot, just drive the truck. That is so true. We've all been shot. We've all been hurt. Don't make your case so special that nobody else. My Bible says in Peter chapter 5, these same afflictions are being worked out in your brethren throughout the world. 
But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory, after we've suffered a while, he will strengthen, 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 establish, and settle you. Yeah. He said, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial of your faith. Oh, this is, I'm a special case. You are special to him, but you're not a special case in, the, in humanity. There's nobody in here that was born with that silver spoon in their mouth. No, no, if the silver spoon was in the mouth, there was a pervert in the family. You know that something happened. Why is this world so wicked? Why does a scorpion sting? It's a scorpion. What it does, why does a sinner sin? Wish those sinners would stop sinning. Wish all you want to. Until they get refathered, they're going to continue in that way. But you don't need to. You can partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world. By doing it his way. It's not complicated. Love God and love your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. You know, the, the lawyer said, who's my neighbor? Got cocky with God looking for a loophole. Lawyers always looking for loopholes anyway. <laughs> Jesus told him the story about the Samaritan. I love that story. We're not going to get into that right now, though, are we? No, because we're still trying to get to Colossians 1.27. So, so in verse 22, it says, In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you'll con okay, what do I got to do, God? If you'll continue in faith, grounded and settled. Grounded like what? Didn't, didn't I read that somewhere else? Didn't I read that in, in Ephesians chapter 3? Rooted and grounded in love and able to comprehend with all the saints, the bread, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ. To know so what's he saying here? To know the love of Christ is what you need to be grounded in. Same guy wrote both books, right? If you continue in faith, grounded and settled, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel or the good news which you have heard, which is preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I am Paul and made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which was left of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church whereof I made a minister according to the dis this dispensation of God, which is given unto me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery, the okay, now we're talking about the mystery. Even the mystery that's been hidden from the ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. This mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But now if you just jump over to verse four, uh, chapter 4 and verse 3, you're going to find out more about it. It says, Wherefore, praying also for us, that God would open unto us the door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. The mystery that's been hidden from the ages is how much God loves you. They didn't see it. They couldn't find it in the Old Testament. Some people did. But now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of the love of God revealed in Christ. The glory of the love of God revealed in Christ. Do I still have a little bit of time left? It, it just We need to go back to John 17. I was going to read Acts chapter 6, but you can read that for yourselves. The book of Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7 are about a man named Stephen. And what's interesting about Stephen is he was a deacon in the church. He wasn't a five-fold ministry guy. Matter of fact, they hired him to wait on tables. 
but he was filled with faith. And because he was filled with faith, he got filled up with the glory to the point where it says that when he was talking to the Sanhedrin, those 72 people, that, 71 people that governed Israel, his, the Bible says that his face shone. And then in chapter 7, he preaches 55 verses that explain the, the entire Old Testament better than anybody ever could for you. And then, and then they stoned him to death. But he, you need to read how it happened because those rocks didn't hurt him at all. He was beholding the glory of God. And he said the same thing that Jesus did. Forgive them, Father, they don't even know what they're doing. He's so full of the glory of God. He says, Lord, you know, I, I fulfilled my purpose. You want to throw a rock? Go ahead, throw a rock. Powerful, powerful. But that's not where I told you to go. John chapter 17. Yeah, but John chapter 17, when you think about it, it's everything that Paul preached. Paul took that, that, that chapter and wrote all those other books describing that chapter. Oh, he got revelation, I understand, from the Old Testament because everything that Paul wrote, you can find the seed of it in the Old Testament. It's just there. If you go looking for it, you'll see it. But in chapter 17, in verse, uh, I won't get bogged down here. Uh, verse um, 5. And now, Father, glorify me with yourself, with the glory which I had before the world was. I don't know how many times he called himself son of man, son of God, but he was one or the other all through his life. And he was completely the son of man and completely the son of God. And you are completely a son of man and a son of God also. You know, and again, people hear that and they say, it can't be so. Read your Bible, it's so. Verse 13, now I come unto you, Father. These things I speak into the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. But again, this is like he said in John 16, 33, in me you'll have peace, in the world you have tribulation. So don't stay in the world, step over in me. Verse 20 is where we get included in this whole deal. He said, I'm not praying for these ones alone, but those that believe on me through their word. See, you're qualified to carry the glory because you believe the word. And again, in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14, he says that he called you to the obtaining of the glory. He put a call on your life to obtain what he paid for, the glory. And the glory, like when you read Exodus 33, you know, he says, Moses, all of my goodness, I'll let pass before you. Everything that God is, everything that he has, and everything that he can do, he said, I want to put it on you. And so that's why I restored you back to glory, back to the way Adam and Eve were before they messed up. I want to take you back. He demonstrated it in his life. He spent a lot of his time in the Garden of Gethsemane with the disciples, just like Jesus, just like God the Father, rather, came and walked with Adam in the cool of the day. You know, again, it's the thing that has been is the thing that will be, and it keeps repeating. He, he, he came so that he could have that fellowship with you like he had with Adam. That's why he called Jesus the last Adam, so that you could walk with him in the cool of the day. 
have fellowship with him. Feel an arm around your shoulder talking to you. Asking you about your day, even though he knows everything about it. Adam, why are you where you are? He knew where Adam was. He was just looking for a confession from him, right? Okay. Verse uh, 23. And the glory which you have given me, I have already given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Again, that's 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so are we not going to be, even though you're being changed from glory to glory. In, his, in God's economy, you're already, come on, Colossians uh, 1, 9, and 10. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. And verse 10 says, and you are complete in him who's the head of all principality and power. In his mind, all you need to do is believe it. He said, it was, it was for all, but unto those that believe. Isn't that what we read in Romans chapter 3? If you believe this, if you believe that he loves you, his love will begin to manifest in your life. You begin to experience it. There's nothing worse than not being believed. Can you imagine being God? Well, I don't believe that. How would you like it if you told me a story today and I said, well, I just don't believe that. I don't think you're a liar. That's why he had to tell them, I'm not a man that I would lie. He had to tell them because they were accusing him of lying all the time. They blamed Moses, but they weren't mad at the pastor. It was God they were really after. It's just easier to blame the pastor because he didn't bother their conscience so much. Right? The glory that you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Mm. O oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and they have known you, that you sent me. And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it. Uh, that the love wherewith you've loved me be in them. The love that, can you, if you could get a hold of this concept, well, it's not a concept, it's a fact. If you could get a hold of this truth, that God loves you exactly the same way, the same amount that he loves Jesus. Romans 5, 8, while you were yet a sinner, I died for you. Verse 9, and now much more that you've been justified by the blood. He loves you. So whatever he would do for Jesus, he would do for you. What do I have to do? Believe it. Yeah, well, I don't see it. But again, if you look in the natural, you'll see a young man sold into slavery. If you look in the spirit, you'll see a man sent by God. Two perspectives. The Rocky Mountains, I'm standing under them, looking up at Banff at the, at the mountain there. And when I flew over it, it looked like a little bump. What happened? Just a change in perspective. Maybe your problem is really big because you're under it. Maybe you just need a change in perspective. Maybe you just begin to trust God and say, you know what? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. My purpose today the only function that I really need to do today is praise the Lord. <laughs> Not only that, he tells me he inhabits the praises of his people. When am I going to get it? I wish you were around somewhere, God. I inhabit your praises. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise and worship today was, was it? 
Yeah. It keeps going up. But that tells me something. We're going up. If he can take Stephen and hire a guy to wait on tables in the local church. And the Bible says mighty signs and wonders will work through him. He had a, 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 a blown out revival happening in his life. And he wasn't Reverend so-and-so or Pastor so-and-so. He's one of the guys. Somebody that decided to believe God and act it like it was true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church that the Lord is coming back for is not about a pulpit ministry. It's about a body. He's, you think about it, he's the head over the body. One body. One gospel, one body, one faith, one baptism. You're part of the body, part of the body of Christ. And if you think that your part's not necessary, go stub your little toe. Or let me come step on it. To find how important every member of your body is when something like that is hurting. And the spirit of the, the, the unity that they came into in Acts chapter 2 is all that you need today to experience a move of the Spirit of God. They came into unity. Not union, but unity. They were different, various backgrounds and everything, but they got together in one accord in one place. Their purpose was to seek the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you're in with power from on high. Just go there and wait. And it doesn't mean sit and wait. That means be active and expect. Because you're going to get what you expect in this last day. You're going to get what you can see. Use strongholds and imaginations from Second Corinthians chapter 4 on the positive side of the ledger. Imagine yourself. Like read, read about Stephen. and he, Well, read about Peter's walking down the road. And, it, and people within six feet of him are being healed by him passing by. Because of the glory that was on him. Because of the glory that he carried. And we know that he wasn't special. None of the disciples were special. That's why he chose them, so that you could look and say, hmm, hallelujah, if he can get away with it, I can too. Praise the Lord. What would you like to do now, Holy Ghost? I like what he said in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, I think. He said, this Holy Ghost is for you and your children and all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He said, this Holy Ghost is for everybody. And in Genesis chapter 10, he came down and confounded the languages because he said, there's nothing that they can imagine that they cannot accomplish. Right? So he confounded the language. But then in Acts chapter 2, he came and put the language back. We all speak one language. We speak in the Holy Ghost. Well, I know they spoke in, you know, tongues of the nations that they were from, but the point is, he said, I had to stop there. I had to, all of a sudden, somebody was speaking French. Somebody else was speaking Italian because they were building the Tower of Babel to, to worship the stars with. They saw pictures of it. I mean, we know what it was. So he confounded their language. But then in the next chapter, because they were in unity, and there was nothing that they could think of that they couldn't accomplish. He said, 
That's what God said about them. There's nothing they can imagine that they cannot do. So if that was true for a bunch of heathens that were building the the Tower of Babel, don't you think that that would be true for you also? There's nothing that you can imagine that you cannot do. That's why the devil messes up with your works on your imagination. That's why we've got so many televisions and phones and things that fill our imagination and, and give us pictures of things that we don't want. He's saying, if you just get in the Word of God and focus in on and begin to imagine yourself in the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's really the Acts of the Holy Ghost. We understand that. He said, you, if you can just put yourself in there, put yourself in every one of these stories. You know, when Elisha says, you know, open up, open up Gehazi's eyes so that he can see, imagine yourself seeing the, the, the hills surrounded with chariots of fire. Man. I found out the other day, the side note, I found out the other day that Gehazi, remember he got leprosy because he took Haman's clothes, right? He shows up again in Kings, in Kings chapter 6, one of the four lepers. He's the guy that says, why should we sit here till we die? How do you know that? Because over in chapter 8, he shows up again. Years and years later, he shows up clean. So the Bible doesn't talk about him getting his healing, but it's obvious that it happened. Yeah, powerful wow. stuff. That's what happens when you dig around in that book. Yeah. That's where the woman, the Shunammite woman, came to the king. She had been exiled for seven years. We're going to be exiled for seven years in the rapture of the church. She came back. It's the type of what happens to us. She came back. Meanwhile, Gehazi is in talking to the king. He said, the king saying, tell me about this Elijah. He said, well, man, let me tell you. He's telling him miracles. He said, one time, one time the Shunammite woman had a son. Dropped dead. I mean, graveyard dead. He went in and laid on him seven times. And, and the guy got up and walked away. And, uh, and the king said, oh, wow, that's... And then the Shunammite walks in looking to get her land back. And, 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 and Gehazi said, that's her right there. That's her right there. She walked in at just the right time. He had everything back that the devil had stolen from her. Because God's timing is perfect in your life too. You think he forgot you. You think he missed you. He has your address. No, he's so specific. When you're reading through the book of Numbers, no, some of the books you got to read through when you're reading the, but how specific he is where people live. Do you think he changed his mind now? Like maybe he's got a place where I'm supposed to live. I hope I'm in that place. We didn't think we were supposed to be in this building. It's almost two years now. We couldn't get out of here. We had no place to go. How could that possibly be? Could it be? We know now that we were supposed to be here to help the church across the street and to help ourselves and all the other things that took place. But understanding that the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. You're okay right now. If you don't like where you're going, you know, he's got this GPS. You missed your exit. And then they'll tell you the next, but then they come up with another plan. That's what I like. They come up with another plan. One time they sent Heather Cannon into the woods in Cape Breton. That was not a good deal, was it? <laughs> they did it with us on the, on the bike. Put us on a dirt road somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But mostly, but the Holy Ghost doesn't make any mistakes. So he's going to lead you and guide you into all the truth 
take the things of Jesus, take the things of the Word of God, reveal them unto you, and show you what's coming up next. He said, I'll show you things to come. Holy Ghost will come. Holy Ghost, third part of the Trinity will come. And he said, he'll be just like me. Only he'll be everywhere. He won't be limited to one location. You come to your house. No, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He said, I came to live in you, walk in you, and you'll be my God, and I'll be, you'll be my people, and I'll be your God. And so we tarried in Jerusalem until we were endued with power from on high. And whether you feel the power or not, believe that you're filled with the power. If you see the glory, some people see the glory. How many have never seen a glory cloud? I've been in church services that were really foggy. And they weren't outdoors. They were in church, man. And as far as the heavy, weighty, and kabod, I've been stuck to the carpet for an hour one time. It was starting to hurt my cheek. When I got up, I had the, car- the carpet pattern on my cheek. Could I have broken free at any minute? Yeah, probably, but I'm yielding to the Holy Ghost. Only the, the one thing that happened to me that I could not control was when Vicki Jameson called me up and said, come on up and tell us how the service is going so far. And I took the microphone, and I was, I've seen people frozen, but I was, it never happened to me. I was frozen. I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't force myself to say anything. I watched when I was down in Shreveport, Louisiana, no, Lake Charles. I watched the guy frozen, the bass player in the band, frozen with his hand up like this. 20, 25 minutes. Try that. No, try faking it. See how long you're, you know, it's amazing how heavy that iron would get. Then I saw a district court judge. That was the funniest thing because he, he saw the suit he had. It was one of those shiny $5,000, $10,000 suits, right? He was rolling around on the carpet laughing out of control. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I've seen the power of God, but I don't believe that I've seen what we're about to see. Amen. Signs and wonders and miracles are part of being in the glory. I know you can get healed by the anointing, but you can heal by the glory of God, too. It's a totally different thing. And so when you expect the glory, he said, I've called you to the obtaining of the glory. So if he told us that, do you think we can expect that? Do you think we can expect it today? Does it have to be tomorrow? It's always tomorrow. Why is faith always? Faith is now, but yet our believing is usually tomorrow. But my Bible says in Corinthians 10, uh, 2 and verse 4 that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. You can get whatever you want from God today. You can get whatever you want from God right now. You can operate in the glory of God right now. I know there's people who have been sitting in this church for years, and the word of God will come to them, and they'll sit in there and, and never bring it. What will people think of me? Listen, people aren't thinking about you. Is that Okay. No, it's time for you to step out and move in the spirit of God. It's time for you to be like Stephen and just begin to act on the word of God. You don't have to wait to get approval from anybody. You can get some correction if you make mistakes, but correction is not bad either. But if you don't do anything, we don't need spectators, we need participants. We're getting it now in praise and worship. Participants. We're not coming to see what's going to happen. We're coming to make things happen. 
We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.